Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, welcome to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today we have an amazing guest, Mary O'Dwyer, and we're going to hear so much about transformational breathing and really how we can move our energy along the way to greater health and wellness, and that's what it's all about today. So how you doing, Mary? I'm doing fantastic. I'm actually just came off of a transformational breath trainers meeting. So I got to breathe this morning and learn about some of the great new things our foundation is bringing out to the world. So I'm having a fantastic day. Yeah, that's all I'm here with you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The cream on the top. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, and that's always good. If you start the day off breathing, that's the great, right? Those are the two goals, to start off the day breathing and to end the day breathing. But so what really is transformational breathing? If you can explain that to us. Transformational breath is a very specific type of breath work. And it works by raising the energy in the body, the vibration in the body by breathing in a what's described as a connected way, meaning that you omit any pause between the inhale and the exhale. So it's like this. So I'm not necessarily breathing faster. I'm just omitting the pauses. Do not do that when you're driving. Don't do it in the bath. Just do it in a very, when you're sitting in a chair with your feet on the ground, it will create an altered state for yourself. That in-breath and transformational breath is representative of bringing in the life force. It's bringing in the prana, the chi, the Holy Spirit. And that's what raises our vibration. And then that exhale is really just, just the letting go. Um, every breath work is different, but in transformational breath, we, we keep that exhale really soft and relaxed, just letting go, surrendering, and creating as much space as we can for that in-breath, that life-giving goodness. And then, Dave, when we create this altered state um, and this high vibration in the body, it stimulates in a way the emotions that we have repressed and suppressed, those uncomfortable things that we don't want to deal with. That time when you held your tongue because, you know, you're at your in-laws and you don't want to rock the boat or that time when, you know, something bad has happened and you meet your friend and something worse has happened to them. So then you don't tell them about you pretend that you're feeling fine just so that you can, quote unquote, be strong for them. So there's all these times we suppress and repress our emotions and those emotions, if they get repressed and pushed away and if we don't go revisit them, they get stuck in our body just like stress does, right? Most of us know that stress kind of hangs out in our neck or, or back or shoulders, but we actually store every single thing we repress. Uh, and so in transformational breath, it's an opportunity to revisit those. And by creating this high vibration, it stimulates some of those things that we have pushed down because they, they generally have a lower vibration. They're heavier, denser. And the laws of physics say if um, a high vibration encounters um, something of a low vibration, the same plane, they can't actually coexist. And so they entrain, they match each other. And so that brings up some of these old repressions, suppressions. And some of them we have a conscious memory of, some we don't. Um, some people might just feel the resonance of that sensation in their body, meaning feeling a wave of energy, heat, coldness, feeling floaty or feeling like they have a weighted blanket. 
some people actually feel the emotion. Uh, so they might have a memory, they may get a visit from a loved one, they may find themselves crying or coughing to move energy. Um, and some people just have a very uh, peaceful experience. It really is a breath work that relies on the divine intelligence. We set our agendas aside. We're just kind of following the breath, seeing um, what's happening. We call on that divine assistance so that anything that happens in the session is always for the client's highest good, um, be it a big emotional breakthrough or a very gentle session because spirit knows how to meet, meet each of us exactly where we are. Um, and then the, the most precious part of this work is that when we uh, work with the session and work with the breath, when we let go of some of our repressed emotions, those things that we have stored and been carrying around for so long, it's much easier for us then to connect with ourselves and whatever it is we have faith in. And so at the end of every session, we always leave an opportunity for that spiritual connection so that you can have that download possibility or that meditation experience or just that deep relaxation. Again, it's whatever you need. And throughout the whole process, we're also physically working with the breath, give, allowing you and your body to take the deepest, fullest breath by creating these openings. Because when we let go of these traumas that have been in our body, maybe they've been hanging out in our hips or hanging out in our rib cage. When we release that, it actually relaxes those muscles so that now when you go to breathe, you have a little bit more flexibility in some of those muscles. And of course, over time, it becomes, it builds. And so that you can maybe go from only using 20 to 30% of your respiratory capacity to 50, 60, 70%, which shows up in your workouts. It shows up in your ability to walk up and down the stairs easily. It shows up in your ability to project your voice, um, how you sing, um, all of that great stuff. That's amazing. Uh, I use the word amazing a lot, but uh, but I also heard you heard a lot of say a lot of R words, which, uh, as you might or might not know, uh, we, we, we love that here because there's it, always an R in your heart. Uh, but what I'd love to hear is, so that's all great, and I believe all the energy. How'd you get here? Because I know you have a background of science, and that's not traditionally where people will first go to meditate. And even though most of the great scientists believed in it, I mean, all, you know, they were all fighting through to move the energy and understanding the energy of the world. So how'd you get here? Yeah, I got here, you know, in a roundabout way. Uh, Spirit had to move through me at my pace. And I actually left corporate America back in 2005 or 2007. I was working at a very big scientific company. I was managed a technical call center that worked really well. At the time, I had young children at home. My oldest had been diagnosed with autism. So at that point that I left, it was in order to stay home with him and use all of my science knowledge to help him because I was not settling for what the world was telling me he was capable of. And so I spent a number of years doing that. And Fortunately, my husband was a great provider and allowed me to be able to do that. And that led into me then learning all about the, the effect of the food that we eat on our bodies. Because as a scientist, I was actually, form I had been trained in my bachelor degree as a food chemist, where I had learned all about processing food and how to do that and how all the th ways you could manipulate food. And now here I am, you know, 10 or 15 years later unprocessing my food and really learning to go back to the way I'd been raised eating because my mom always made everything. You know, she's been that person who did that before it was in vogue to do that, to make everything from scratch. And so I spent a number of years with my son and then I went into 
health coaching and fitness. And so at this point in my life, it was 2012, and I had everything that the world would tell me I should have. I had two great kids. My oldest son was thriving. He was, do, he was mainstreamed in school, you know, needed some resource support, but he was pretty doing pretty well. My other son was doing fantastic. I was coaching his soccer teams. I have this great husband who, you know, was a great provider. We had two cats, two dogs. I mean, what more could I ask for? And inside, I was just feeling really unfulfilled. I was, I was just feeling blah. And I shared it with a neighbor. And she said to me, Mary, it sounds to me like you're spiritually disconnected. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I'm like, for this Irish Catholic girl, that was like, <laughs> what do you mean spiritually disconnected? Like that, just, that was not in my vocabulary. Right. How do you get connected? Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, she's been in California way too long. Um, but I loved her and her words because they were truths, Dave, they resonated with me. And so I got curious and I began to realize, Oh, look at me. I am really rude. I'm going through the motions of going to church on Sunday. Cause that's what a good family does. I went through all the motions with my kids because that's what a good mom does. I, I was doing all the wife things just because that's what a good wife does. But the, the zest for life, the passion, the joy of it all, it was all gone. And I was just mundane and, and run down, overwhelmed, trying to be, you know, every, all things to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I was finding myself using my fitness as a tool to build my self-esteem. Look at me, I'm so disciplined. Look at me, I eat so good. Look at me, I stay in this shape. And not that there's anything wrong with those things. I still love to exercise. I still re eat really well. But that's not what I draw my sense of worth from any longer. And so when you get those realizations, the universe responds. And so I found a lady that did Reiki. And I was kind of nervous about that because, you know, coming from Catholic Ireland, that was like, is this cult? You know, is this weird? <laughs> but fortunately, you know, spirit never messes up. And the woman that I met that did Reiki, she had been raised as an Italian Catholic, which I didn't know beforehand. And I walk up to her door and she has a statue of the, the Blessed Mother outside her door. And so that really helped me to feel safe. And she was wonderful. And then I discovered essential oils. I discovered other energy healings. And then I saw this flyer for this class that offered transformational breath. And it promised peace and joy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely want some of that peace and joy. <laughs> and that was how I ended up in a transformational breath class. And I fell in love. That for me, yeah. Um, were you going to were you going to say something? No, no, I was going to say that's awesome. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's great when you come through to the other side and you're able to find that peace and joy. So I was going to, that was where I was going to go. Uh, so what brings you peace and love since this is peace, love and bring it bad or peace and joy? You know, for me, it's starting every day with my breath practice. I have a daily breath practice. It used to be a weekly practice. And then when COVID happened, um, our found the lead, the, the lady who founded transformational breath over 40 years ago, Judith Kravitz, she suggested that we start doing a daily practice. And I'm like, now that I have the time, why not? And now I can't imagine doing it without. Um, that just allows me to center, allows me to connect with myself. It allows me to put me first. It allows me to, sh my husband doesn't do the breath work as regularly with me, but he knows in the morning that when I'm doing my thing or if he comes into the house and I don't answer, but my car's in the driveway, he'll know I'm doing my breath work and just not to, not to interrupt that I'll be out in 15 minutes or less. Um, so it really has been a place that's given me space. And that has just 
over time shifted so much in me because I was the reactionary, hot-headed, you know, I was a person who went along with the flow until I didn't. And then there was like, you know, World War III, an explosion. And to be able to respond in those moments when I'm triggered, I just recognize it so much more quickly. It's not like, it's not like it's all unicorns and rainbows in my life. You know, my husband still gets on my nerves. My children still wreck my head. I, 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 I wreck my own head sometimes, you know, what are you doing, Mary? Where are you going? Why did you do that? Um, Why did you make that decision? But I recognize it so much easier. And then I can course correct so much easier. And then my responses are so much more gentle. And so just, that has brought so much more peace because now instead of letting all those little annoyances of my husband build up until I have a catalog, the poor guy had to, you know, sit down and hear it again. <laughs> now it's like, hey, you know what? Right now I'm really triggered. Give me a minute. And it's literally sometimes as simple as that. Yep. You need that break, you know, that, that, that one second. And that's why one of the techniques that I use when, I, when I'm doing mentoring and stuff is where I always say, I'll get you to think quicker, but react slower. And or at times react faster, but in a better way, uh, you know, I go because it's just magical. Once you clear out some, you know, like when you were explaining about the body, all the stuff you know, that we store in our body, when, wherever we store it, if you release it, you're that much better. You're that much lighter. You're that much more relaxed. You've let go of that weight. I love visual metaphors because I'm a, a visual person and I'm sure many of your listeners are too and I had a colleague describe it as an airplane trying to take off and the airplane is like the most aerodynamic built thing it's got the best metal you know the most aerodynamic lightest and it's got the best pilot it's got the best fuel and it's going down the driveway but it just can't take off because of the big lead anchor but so you can be doing all of the things you can be eating right. You can be running right. You can be exercising. You can even be meditating. But if you're not really letting go of your stories, letting go of your patterns, letting go of the dramas and traumas that are burdening your life, you're not dropping that anchor. And you're never going to be able to soar as high. You might you know, drop some of it maybe and you might wobble, get off the ground. And then before you know it, you come back. I've been there. So, you know where like, oh, I think I've let go of that belief or let go of that story and I've a little bit of success and then like, boom, I'm back to where I started. You know, and I'm like, oh, it's just enough, an opportunity for me to go back and revisit and understand that there's more layers. That's all. doesn't mean it didn't work. It just means there's more layers. Yeah, no, that, that, that's the really powerful part is, you know, a lot of times we do that, the easy work, right? The, the low-hanging fruit. And I, I love that you use the bird metaphor because I always use my Phoenix metaphors. Uh, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I tie to flying and, and things like that, but it really is true. And that's a great metaphor that you had of, yeah, you could fly, but if you're still tied to the ground, there's only so much that you're going to go. Uh, only so far you can go. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the things that, that rise you up? So obviously with this breathing, so, and there's more than one way, obviously to, to breathe as part of the transformational breath work? You know, there's all sorts of different um, modalities of breath work. When I'm doing a, just a transformational breath session, it is 
just a, um, a connected breath with the mouth. It's very specific. That doesn't mean that I don't always use other uh, very simple breathing techniques to calm us in the moment, but transformational breath is what they describe as an integrative breath work, meaning that it integrates, it makes whole, it lets us connect with our shadow parts, kind of bring them into the fold and release them um, to transmute them, to transmute those energies because we tend to not want to look at them. And so then we're kind of scattered. It's my, we might be one way at home, one way at work, one way at church, one way at the grocery store, one way with our kids, one way with our in-laws. And so they're all kind of fractals of ourselves. And so an integrative breath work, and there's a few of them out there, transformational breath being one of them, um, is what brings those parts together, so to speak. But you know what you said to, you know, to, to rise up. I think for me, it's in the retreat. I know you love our, our words. So that was, that was, that wasn't, that wasn't like, I am not sucking up to you, but that, <laughs> that actually is my word to retreat, revisit, reflect. And I learned this from a friend who she's really into astrology and she just has the best ways of explaining it to me. And she talked about retrograde, the Mercury retrograde, mm -hmm. which I still don't really understand. All I know is that it messes up how you might communicate. Yep. But what I do know about the retrograde is that it's a great time to retreat, revisit, reflect. And I have always known that when I do that, because my personality is the goer, you know, I kind of tended to have one gear and it was fast because I was going so fast. I didn't want to look at myself, didn't want to look at my stuff. Yeah. And so when I have those opportunities to look back and go, okay, where are the, the little, how do I want to put this? Where are the gaps? Mm -hmm. Where has there been those minor successes and then I didn't take off the way I thought I could? Where do I feel I'm self-sabotaging? And sometimes it's a very small adjustment. Um, can I tell a quick story of an analogy? Because it's really, of course. I, 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 maybe some of your listeners can relate to this. So my home that I live in here in California downstairs is, is all tile floor everywhere. And I've never put rugs in it. And there was one area of our house I just never liked. Like the, the main entry area of that big open sitting room plan, I never liked it. We never hung out there. And I tried all sorts of different setups. Well, I have a sister that is a big wig um, at a home store goods. And for years, she's been telling me, Mary, get area rugs. Mary, get area rugs. Mary, get area rugs. I didn't listen to her. She's an expert. Why, why, why would I listen to her, right? <laughs> why do we <laughs> listen to the experts? Yeah. I know better. I listen to the expert. Finally, I was saw her when I was back in Ireland, uh, August, September, and I came home and I was like, okay, I'm going to get myself some area rugs. So I got a friend and we went out and we got two area rugs and I put them down. $400, the best 400 makeover my house has ever gotten. <laughs> it was such a simple thing and I resisted it for so long. And that little thing transformed that room my husband and I use that room more often when guests come in we just gravitate to there and so that was such a eye-opener for me that a very small adjustment can completely change something because we've lived in this house for over seven years and literally for seven years I have not I rarely used that part of the house and I would say in the last two months, three months, my husband and I have used that room more than we have in our entire seven years prior. <laughs> so I want to really reiterate that, that retreat, that reflection, that revisitation, that reconsideration is life-changing. And that's 
where your phoenix can rise from, in my opinion. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Schmetzky. Well, you're using a whole lot of R's. No, but but, but the, the story was great, and it really is to revisit uh, opportunities. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just a recalibration of what we need to do. It's not these big changes, but many of us are fearful of making any change, right? This is the way I've been doing it all of my life. So, of course, it has to be right. But then you ask that yeah. question, the, the most powerful question, how is it working for you? And how is it, it working for you? Exactly. And often it's not serving us anymore. And Dave, this is one of the things I love about the breath work I do is that by everyone has a unique breathing pattern. Everyone who comes to me, the first thing I do is I look at how they breathe and I can pretty much read them like a book. I can tell if you've got good boundaries. I can tell if you're a doer, if you're a perfectionist, if you've got a lot of guilt and shame, if you're guarded in your heart or if you're you know, super connected to spirit. I can read those things at a glance and a lot of those patterns aren't working for us. Mm-hmm. Some are and some aren't. And what we get to do with the breath work is we get to change those breathing patterns and then it starts to shift how we show up in life. So that for me, I was like the scientist over in my little box. Well, this is how I do it. And I go to mass on Sunday and because that's what you do. And I do this then and I do that the other time. And working with this breath work has really allowed me to relax and let go of my sense of control and with a lot more ease, even though I still had to take some physical action, it just was easier to take. And it started with me, instead of going on my run the same route every single day, mixing it up, going a different route, put on a different pair of shoes, um, go right instead of left, maybe just run without my watch so I don't know what my pace is. I just started making those little changes so that I could kind of get used to it because it was uncomfortable. It was easier than it would have been if I hadn't done all the inner work I had done. But it's still, it's just old habits and our patterns and we like them so much and they're so familiar, they feel so good and they work so well. Why would we change them? <laughs> right, uh, until we take those few minutes as we talked earlier to, to reevaluate, is it really working for me? Is that really who I, I was? That's how I came to my Phoenix moment you know, with all the challenges I've gone through in my life, and I'm like, how did I get here? And what was going on? And by recalibrating and re-looking at, revisiting, uh, that's where I was like, okay, how much of this is me? How It can't be everybody's problem, and I'm the one who, who's fine. Look at the common denominator. Look at the common denominator, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when we work on ourselves and shift ourselves, it's amazing how things around us start to shift too. Mm-hmm. Because as we let go of our charge in our in our energy that we're putting out there, then it changes the energy other people are receiving. Yeah. So maybe their defenses that were kind of on on alert are now not. And so it just changes the interactions and changes the changes the choices that they make and changes the choices that you make. And it kind of works like magic sometimes. Yeah. I've always said, yeah, I've always said that, you know, sometimes you have to be the change for everything else to shift, you know, somebody, right. There has to be a gear. We go back to science. There has to be a lever that's going to move the wheel. There has to be, you know, the gear that's going to help move things along. And you don't know what the universe is going to use to move things along, but they also know that, it's going to always serve you as the, at your highest good. 
Exactly. And when you trust that, I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. So any of your readers that are interested in learning about breathwork or breathwork journey, that's an awesome place to start. He, it's a fantastic book and he does a 10-week breath journey. But what he talks about in there is the messengers, the people and events in our life that trigger us, that upset us. They're a set up. It's the universe sending us a message, setting us up so that we can receive it. And when we're more aware, when we're in a place of reflection or revisitation, we can get the message, kind of like what you were saying, like, is it all the other people or is it maybe the common denominator? And we get to look and go, okay, well, I can change this for myself because I can't change the other person or I can't change a circumstance, be it in the world or at work that maybe you have no control over, but you can change how you respond to it and how you perceive it and how, um, what your perspective is on it. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly that's how I came up with that word cluberty. I, I know I shared with you, yeah. um, and which is really that reevaluation period of your life. You look at all those things of how I was feeling then, and when I did a lot of meditation, I, I you know certain things came up to me, and I was like, why is this still bothering me? This was thirty years ago, uh, and then you start reevaluating it and figuring out for you what what you know what is your triggers and how to remove them. And again, yeah. you feel so much lighter. You could be, you know, I didn't know, I didn't change one ounce in, in weight, uh, physical weight, but I felt so much light, lighter in spiritual and in my soul. Uh, you know, that was the really powerful piece of, of Kluberty is, you know, really unwinding and, and releasing all the things that were not doing, were not serving me well. Yeah, it's the dead weight. It's the traumas, the dramas that we're carrying around. We've no idea how heavy they are because we've been carrying them for so long. And, you know, when we think about those things like loneliness, depression, grief, um, anger, you know, they're heavy. They're a dense vibration. And when you're really feeling those things, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to even get yourself out to your sh- out to shower. It's like, you know, there's been days where I might on my to do list is shower. <laughs> you know, those <laughs> days when I'm like, OK, I need to snap out of this. So I need to give myself a little momentum. So everything like washing my teeth, you know, everything goes on my, on my, and that's because that heaviness is real. Mm -hmm. That density that you're feeling is real. It's your soul is being weighed down. It's that vibration. That's, that's just holding you back, holding you down. And when you can learn to work with your breath, work with meditation, work with those reflections and, identify those triggers and the causal point of the trigger, not just, you know, what's happening right now, because there's, there's always a causal point way back when we originally had that wound. Uh, Michael Brown talks about this in his book, The Presence Process. You know, we've, it, and it's not resolved in, in childhood. Well, then every time that something similar, you know, similar story happens, that wound gets triggered again and it's like a it gets piled up right and so the pile on top of this original cause just gets tenderer and tenderer so it takes even less to push our buttons over time and so when we can work with it and go back to the causal point and release that and i believe it's through the breath through divine assistance because we don't recall a lot of that stuff from when we were childhood and a lot of it was stuff that even we picked up that wasn't anybody trying to hurt us it was just a belief we formed Maybe right. you're a year old and you're crying because you want a parent and they're outside and talking to the mailman and didn't hear you. 
for 10 minutes. But to that one-year-old child, it's the end of the world. You know, I'm abandoned. Nobody loves me. They don't have the vocabulary for it. Right. But if you've ever found a one-year-old in distress, I mean, that's the end of the world for them. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. It's all it's all about perspective and your point of view. And that doesn't mean your point of view would be wrong, even if we experienced it differently. And, you know, everybody has the, those things that we bring along. Now, one of the things exactly. that we bring along is also the ability to then overcome or rise out of the ashes. And I'm not going to go back to the Phoenix piece. I'm actually going to go to the bring a bat piece because that's not the violence. We're not looking to go hit somebody in the knees. What are the things that you do to create your boundaries or your non-negotiables? How do you help identify that uh, either within yourself or when you in your work that you do with others? You know, when I'm for myself, I really try and ask, am I doing this for me or for them? Either. Like, you know, boundaries with my kids. I have a college age student. He wanted help with something the other day and he wanted information. Actually, he wanted information. He didn't ask for help. But my my nature is, oh, let me do it for him. And I was like, no, he's an almost 20 year old college student. He needs to be able to figure this out. And so I sent him the information he would need to do what he did, what he needed to do, rather than me doing it for him and doing all the research for him. And so, because I realized if I was doing that research for him, I was doing it for me so that I would feel like I was of service. I would feel like I was mothering him. But it, but was it in his highest good? No, no. So there, things like that. Um, I will also look at why let's say I, I sign up to do something like, why am I doing this? And how do I feel doing it? Does it feel joyful? Let's say it's something that I want to do. Cause sometimes there's things that we want to do. We're not willing to give it up, but it doesn't feeling great. So it just might need some tweaking. And sometimes I'll do that. Hey, what can I tweak? Where can I simplify it? Do I really have to go all out? Can I delegate somewhere? Can I um, simplify? Can I leave things out? Um, like this year for Thanksgiving, I was starting to feel overwhelmed because I don't know. I just was, it was feeling like a, like an overwhelm this year. And I was like, oh, I don't have to do turkey and ham. I can just do turkey. I don't have to do apple pie and pumpkin pie. I can just do pumpkin pie. And I just decided I was going to simplify and boom, taking those two things off my list was like, oh, <laughs> now it's, now it seems fun and joyful again um so that's kind of where i'm at with with my boundaries and that's where that's where i bring my bad i think and also trying to as much as i can especially when i disagree with somebody or someone has a different point of view to me is really just to step out of my point of view and see it from a higher point of view and see where there's room for understanding the filters that everybody has grown up in, that I've grown up with certain filters, different culture. There's some things like my husband and I are never going to see eye, on eye, eye to eye on. There's just some things. And can we coexist with that? Can I respect that he has views on some things that are completely different to mine? And can he respect mine? And we've learned to be able to do that um, for the most part. It's not perfect, but for the most part. So I think really just stepping back and seeing that Everybody has the right to choose for themselves and how audacious or egotistical of me to think that only my viewpoint is valid just because it works so well for me doesn't mean it's going to work so well for everybody else. And that's okay. That's what makes life interesting. 
that's what's ultimately going to keep us all growing is having those moments when you push up against somebody that you love, be it a friend or your partner that has a little bit of a different viewpoint, just remembering it, there's room for us all. And to give that, to, and there has to be that mutual space given by both parties. Um, it's really hard if only one party is giving and the other isn't. So when there, when you can create that where there's that mutual space for everybody to to have their own viewpoint and and for that to be valid for them. Yeah, and that that's one of those things where uh, one of the other things we use talk about here is planting the seeds. Not every seed grows, you know. So when you plant a garden, you throw a whole bunch of seeds in there, and not every seed grows. But it's the ones that you nurture. What? How do you? nurture some seeds that you might want the other person to see? I try to look for examples in life. So let's say I have a, have a viewpoint or um, a thought about something and it comes up somehow on a TV show or it comes up in life where I feel like, oh, that's a better demonstration of my point. Or that's a really good metaphor for my point of view then I will recall that story to my husband or to, you know, whomever that I feel like there's a little tension on that point with. Um, I tend to love metaphors. I find that really helpful. And that works pretty well for me. Yeah, no, I like metaphors. And I'm a very visual person as well, where, you know, using my photography or, or things like that, I think were always helpful. Uh, because it's a point of view. So again, it's when we're talking about it, it's points of view. Points of view. And here's the other thing, Dave, is I've noticed, because I've been doing this work for a long time, that you might plant the seed now, and that seed might not actually grow for another six or seven years. Mm. And it doesn't serve you to keep pushing at it and pushing at it and pushing at it. It's like, I plant the seed, I water it. If I have a little opportunity to sprinkle a little bit more, you know, water on it, a little fertilizer, I will. But I'm not trying to like, you know, drag it out, you know, come on, grow, 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 grow. Because I've had clients literally that did one session with me, like back when I was an intern learning this work in 2014. And four or five, six years later, they'll call me and they're like, Mary, I really need you. I remember that one session that it was so, and I haven't heard from them in six years, but they'll come back. So I also know that spirit has his plan. For each of us, each of us has a plan. Our, so each of us is on our unique soul journey. And when we need the seed that have been planted for us or with us or by us, what's for you won't miss you. That's exactly right. I, I love that. I, I, and I know I've taken a lot of your time, and I, I just want to be respectful of that. Uh, is there any seeds you want to leave with us today that might grow either now or in the future? Curiosity. Uh, Dave, I just think curiosity is such a beautiful attribute. Every child that comes into the world is curious, right? They're curious about their food. They play with it. They annoy us, right? When they play with it and they spit it in, spit it out and they put it back in and they dissect it and they do all the things. Children are so curious and we can learn so much from little kids. If we can be playful and curious and just be curious, even if you're listening to this and you're like breathing, what's the heck has that got to do with anything? Just try it, you know, try and find some YouTubes on box breathing, find my YouTube, um, find some podcast on breath work and just be curious, be open, be curious about somebody else's point of view, be curious about an article that maybe you wouldn't normally choose to read, be curious about trying something new, go right instead of left, use your 
wrong hand to brush your teeth. Uh, you know, just the more curious we can be, the more uh, it's great for our nervous system. It's yep. really good for creating those new brain synapses. You know, we're kind of going off tangent now, but I mean, it's just so good on so many different levels. It'll bring you, I think it's, it's a fountain of youth and in, in of itself because it keeps us fresh and be curious about music, be curious about foods, just be curious. I love that uh, because it, that really is it. That's that growth piece and moving our our body, mind, body, and soul. Right? Uh, you know, yeah. rewiring our brain. Our brain is one of the things I do talk about, and by doing that, and I love when you mentioned you know using your opposite hand to do something, just to yeah. do it, not necessarily because you have a report to do, you want to write. Uh, but you, by doing that, you're actually training your brain that there's alternate ways to do it. It's not always uh, the same way. We don't we don't exactly. walk into that trance. Uh, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, for all the great pieces of knowledge that you've given us, and it definitely gives us some more thought about breath work. And I know that I've done it, uh, so I know how powerful it could be when it's done properly and when you make that time. It doesn't have to be hours. Uh, that's what I always talk to people about meditation. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're sitting for days in, on top of a mountain. It could be five minutes in the middle of traffic. It can be five minutes. It can be five minutes in your driveway, yep. coming in from work before you go into the house when you need to switch gears, or maybe when you get to work after sitting in traffic, sit in your car for two or three minutes and just do a, a breathing meditation it is so restorative. It's so clearing for the brain. It, it'll change your world. Yep. All yep. your coworkers will be like, what, what do you got going on? I want some of that. <laughs> Just breathing. Just breathing. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank for you, all those, Dave. it was a joy. And for all those, just remember that if you have peace and love in your life, that's awesome. But sometimes you do need to bring a bat and figure out what's going on again in a nonviolent way. But we want to swing away and make sure we hit our sweet spot. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, Reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste.